0: shipped up to uh, to uh, reinforce the landings at Leyte mm-hmm. in the Philippines. And actually, the day before that, on the uh, on the 13th of November, we were attacked by a torpedo plane. And um, we were all forced to go below deck, and then we heard the all-clear sound. And we come up, I asked the sailor what took place and said, Oh, we got him. And he said the torpedo hit and bounced over us. And I figured, well, he's just kidding us. You
1: know? mm-hmm.
0: But later, uh, uh, General Gill, after the war, uh, he was in charge of us. He wrote in his book on a certain page there that he was standing on the deck with the captain. And he said it's the craziest thing you ever seen. That torpedo plane came in and dropped the torpedo. And it hit at such an angle that it skipped like a rock and went over the boat.
1: Went over the top of the boat it you were on. Went over the
0: boat. It didn't miss us. And then they shot the plane down. It was on the 13th of November. So the 14th of November, then, we arrived in in the, the bay of Leyte there off of Tacloban, where in the last few days they've had a terrible... Uh, Tsunami. Ty- yeah, a typhoon hit there. But that's where we landed, and we were um, on, a, on an APA. That's an attack uh, personnel pursuit boat, pretty large. And uh, we were anchored in the bay with the, when they always, when they went in something like this, these ships, they anchored so they were headed toward sea. So if they had to move quick, they, they could get up and go. And about three 400 yards from us was a destroyer parked the same way. It was an overhanging day, low clouds, uh, spots of blue sky you could see. And we were standing there waiting for our landing craft, which was in a circle, Kind of like a wheel spinning out to the side. That's the way they would uh, farm up in order to come along and and uh, and pick you up uh, off the cargo net as you climb down to get in the, in the landing. Ground. Mm-hmm. And we was waiting for them to come alongside there, and I was standing there with uh, my buddy E. J. Duran of Detroit, uh, Michigan, and uh, we was looking up the sky, and all at once uh, we seen the tip end of a plane wing come out of the clouds and we could see a red bullseye on it <laughs> mm. and we looked at each other and said did you see that and we did and we looked back up there and by that time he he had left the cloud bank and there was a p-38 right on his tail you know and you could hear the rat-a-tat-tats and all, all that was going on to our left then here come another japanese plane along there and he was just floating along there he just seemed like he sat there and paused a little bit to survey the And then he dove on that destroyer. Mm-hmm. And when he came down, to, he got in position, to say, about 3 o'clock on the clock face to that destroyer. And the destroyer was throwing everything up at him that he had, I guess. And uh, he turned and he fixed on us because all of our troops was out on the top deck. In full fuel gear, waiting to come in, and he was wanting a troop ship mm-hmm. and he started skimming the water right toward us, and you could see his machine guns flashing right at us. See? Well, by that time we was on the stern we were on the stern of the boat, and we was near the stern gun mount. And the, the boy up there, he, he uh, zeroed in on him. He cut loose his gun and zeroed in, kind of like a sweep and the pilot got the plane got close enough we could see the pilot in there mm. and we seen his head jerk to the right and when he did that banked the the plane just right his his uh, left left wing tip skipped by the stern gun mount and he wound up in a ring of fire on the surface of the of the surface of the, of the water and he just disintegrated when he hit
1: so he, they never he never actually made it to the ship no, he was we, shot we thought, down before he got no, to you uh,
0: he was he was he must have been dead before mm-hmm. because uh, the way uh, when he hit by his head going to the right it kind of involuntarily banked that plane and by doing that he raised that that wing tip and it skimmed by the rear gun otherwise he'd do a cartwheel right on top of us and know, wasn't anything. We there wasn't any protection for us. We was there. We had to stand there and take it. You know, the only reaction we had, we threw helmets in the air and hollered like there'd been a touchdown, <laughs> <laughs> and said some uh, not too pleasant words about him.
1: What? Uh, what's the most memorable? Was Was that the most memorable experience for you
0: during your time? I guess, but there was some close calls on uh, on Lady. That was just a warm up of what we had because. Um, there we moved up, and uh, uh, the rains We bivouacked the first night. It, it was still dry, but then the rain started. Mm-hmm. We got there in a the monsoon or a typhoon went over or something. So, And it rained incessantly on us all during December while we was there. The, the bottoms of the road went out. And we uh, we had moved up to a little uh, spot in the road called Kapook and C.A.P., O-O-C-A-N. There wasn't the remnants of a building. And maybe a church had been there. All that was left was fragments of the wall that was standing. We bivouacked in there uh, and was in preparation of setting up a station there. And uh, and uh, they zeroed in on us with, uh, with artillery. And we, I hadn't explained yet. When I got to Australia we were uh, uh, parceled out to rebuild an infantry, the 32nd Infantry Division that had took part in the, in the stopping of the Japanese push toward Australia at Buna, New Guinea. So they had to rebuild a division and because of that they needed bodies. They couldn't wait to have trained people come from the States over there. It, uh, it, they didn't move that fast then. So they took ninety of us at one time and transferred those guys trained like I was into the into the medics, and we wound up having uh, classes out underneath the shade trees. He was teaching us like I guess they would over at John A. Now how to
1: so you were uh, you were
0: and, and,
1: uh, trained as a medic then?
0: I was trained as a medic in in uh, in Australia. Up to, even up to transporting and splinting and everything like that and, and they asked for volunteers for surgery and there were six of us stood up for that <coughs> and uh, we were additionally trained on sterilization of instruments and so forth so that's what we was doing on a lady uh, setting up a, a clearing station.
1: How many wounded men do you think you treated?
0: Well I got a commendation at the hospital uh, on Leyte and, and uh, in in uh, what we went through in New Guinea, we treated eight thousand up to then, and we still had a final campaign to go through and we got a, a commendation for that and uh, <clears throat> so on so they zeroed in on us and they got about twelve guys
1: with their artillery you talk about Japanese artillery, Japanese artillery at, was this was this at, stuff at, that was dug into a, a hillside or was this coming No, off it was or? right
0: out in the open okay. near the coast. And uh, there wasn't anything, no protection for us. But we did have that red cross out next to the road to signify our, our our position and during the chow line that during that day at noon a plane had come over and circle, we didn't know what he was going to do, strafe us or something. But he just kind of wagged his wings and went on. So that's we'd had him since we knowed what he was doing. He was spotting. Mm-hmm. He was there on the end on us. So anyway, we had to pull back. It got about 12 of my buddies. And that time, it hit about 15 foot on top of this partial rock wall from where I was in bed.
1: They would shell a hospital?
0: Huh? Oh, yeah, they did. They did. There was no getting around it. They used that. that, that identification was easy for everybody to see. And uh, uh, that shell...
1: Doesn't seem too that honorable shell to about Shell six Hospital. To ne-
0: that, that shell the next morning, about 6 o'clock, woke us up. That's a, that's a heck of an alarm clock to have.
1: I bet it would wake you up. It? <clears throat>
0: and uh, and uh, it hit on top of that rock wall, I guess about 3 foot above ground, and exploded. The tent next to mine was flat on the on the surface when I glanced out between my feet.
1: Were you wounded
0: at all? No, but that's what I'm getting to. That's the reason why I'm telling you this story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reason why somebody up over, up, up above me was watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wound up with people, the guys I work with, thought that I had been hit. He said, you look at your, were you sleeping? I said, no, and I went back to tent to look. There was a hole in my mosquito bar, between my where my feet had been, big enough to stick my helmet through. Hmm. And there's one across my above where my left elbow was, the same size where it went over me. And I picked up a half a blanket that I had over me and had three holes in it as big as fifty cent pieces. And I never got a scratch, but it got one guy in the it got guys all around me. Yeah, it, it got it got about a dozen guys, including patients. So. But then we went on up. Uh, we had to pull back because we experienced more shelling. We pulled back, and the roads were so muddy, they took us by, uh, by landing craft across the bay to a place called Pemamone Point, which was right this side the front lines. And we set up our, uh, our hospital there. It was operating like a, a portable hospital. And by that time, the roads was out. He was wading around, slog- slogging around in mud that was ankle and calf deep. And uh, we even had that in the surgery, surgery uh, tent that was set up. And we crossed that hatched coconut palms to have it kind of firm up where we could stand. Our operating table was just two medicine chests that was upended with where they put the litters on. Mm-hmm. Guys would carry them in there and we're, we're working. So... That's the way we operated, and it, and it rained incessantly. We didn't have a laundry with us. We had to, we had to wash out by hand everything ourselves in between, and do our own sterilization and everything. And uh, and uh, that's the way it was for about 26 days. We worked 24-hour shifts. We'd go on to 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock the next morning, and uh, our clothes would be so wet and muddy. We just ring we wash them out and wring them and put them back on wet, cause you couldn't dry. There was no place to dry.